Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. The title of my message is Freedom in the Fight. Freedom in the Fight. So let's pray before we get into it this morning. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we just give this morning over to you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do a mighty thing in people's lives. Lord, anoint my words as I speak today. And I just pray that they would be your words, Lord, and not my own. Help me to speak clearly and with passion. And Lord, I pray that there would be breakthrough and transformation here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I got my deep voice on this morning. I think it's lack of sleep, but that's my world at the moment. So, I was list- who knows who Joyce Meyer is? So I like to listen to her from time to time. And she's famous for her one-liners. She's got all these quotes that you, if you go into Google, you'll see them all. But I was listening to her one day, and she has this famous one, and it is, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And that has really stuck with me, that quote. I, you know, there's been plenty of things in my life where I've had to work through issues and challenges. And this, this statement, this quote comes up in my mind regularly. I refer back to it as an encouragement for myself. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. You know, we all have areas in our life where we actually have to overcome challenges. And for me... One of the challenges I had to face was actually managing my time well. This was actually a real challenge for me growing up. See, I, I struggled with uh, organising myself. Can anyone relate to that? All the men. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a bloke thing going on there. But, you know, it actually affected a, a lot of my life. It affected my family. It affected my work. But most of all, it actually affected my personal confidence. Because what happens is when you start to let people down, they start to see you in a certain light. And so I I carried this for a long time. And unfortunately, I actually just didn't really see myself as someone that was good at that after a while. I just sort of lived with it. And what ended up happening was... I actually just avoided it in the end, to the point that it was like in the too hard basket. I was like, nah, I'll just let my wife sort that out. Poor Aston had to support me for a while there until I, until I actually realised, you know what, I need to deal with this thing. You know, God has things on my life the same as he has on your life. He has promises, he has a plan and a purpose. And if I was going to step into these things, I needed to take responsibility and face this thing and overcome it. I was recently listening to a book. I like to listen to audio books when I'm working on the house. And a book was by Brene Brown. She's recently become pretty big uh, because she talks about vulnerability in leadership. 
And so I'm listening to this book, Dare to Lead. And it's a great book. I'd encourage you to listen to it or read it if you like reading. And she, she said this quote in there that really stood out to me. And it, and it was, she quoted Joseph Campbell, who I have no idea who Joseph Campbell is, by the way. But this quote, man, it rung true for me. The quote was this. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Such a powerful quote, isn't it? See, we can do this in our lives. We can have these areas in our life that are like caves. And we can fear to enter them. Like for me, it was time management. But going into that cave and dealing with it holds the treasure that you seek. See, for me, I had all these other things going on. Like, I actually suffer, well, I wouldn't say suffer, but I have this thing called ADHD. I don't know if you know what that is. But it's actually a, a thing that causes, uh, like, I can't organise my thoughts very well. That's, that's what it causes for me. I just have lots of random thoughts at, most of the time. And so this caused me a lot of pain and suffering because of what I talked about before, not being able to organise myself. So the fight for me was actually developing systems and processes external to myself to be able to manage life well. But that in and of itself was a very hard thing to do because I had to go and learn new skills, new challenges, uh, and face these things and really put some hard work and effort into it. But the hard part for me wasn't so much uh, the time, like the, the task itself of learning it, it was more the fear of failing. I didn't like not being good at something, so I avoided it. And then I'd try it again, and then I'd avoid it for a little while, and then go back to it. And I think this can be so true for so many of us in our lives. We all have areas that we're avoiding. We all have things that we don't want to look at because they're in the too hard basket. I think sometimes fear of failure is the one thing that holds us back. You know, I talk to people regularly and so many people, as, as a pastor, people love to share what's going on in their life and I love to help people. That's why I do what I do. And, you know, I, I hear situations of struggle with finances, struggle in marriage, uh, struggles in, uh, you know, getting employment, struggles in, um, you know, your own self-worth. Like, there's so many areas that we all are dealing with that really can hold us back if we don't actually go in and do something about it. And it's these situations, if we don't do something about it, can hold us captive. They hold us in the position that we're in and we can never move forward from it. And I don't know if you've ever been caught in that going around the mountain trap where you feel like it doesn't matter what you do, you just end up back in the same spot. And you're like, oh, I'm still here. How do I end up back here again? I thought I dealt with this. I've had so many of those moments in my life. <laughs> and I think time management was the one. And, uh, you know, there, there's some people in the Bible 
who actually went on this similar journey. And so I want to talk about them today. And it's the Israelites. Who knows who the Israelites are? They're the main characters in the whole Bible. So I want to talk about uh, their journey to the promised land. You know, if you don't know the journey, if, you, if you've never really heard this before, the Israelites uh, started with Abraham. God promised to give Abraham this new land and promised him a whole massive big family, which would become the Israelites. Abraham set out on this journey and uh, over many generations, you know, he had children and they lived a long time back then. They didn't live to like 100, they lived to like 800. Wouldn't that be great? Some a thousand. I don't know if I'd like to live that long in my current state, but... <laughs> but off he went and he, and he had many children and God did many miracles in his life to, to help him uh, become the, the, the family that God had called him to be. And over time, as, as his uh, generation after generation, they grew bigger and bigger, they, they ended up in a place called Egypt. And in Egypt, uh, God used Egypt to actually save them. He put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt, who was uh, one of Abraham's, uh, one, the line of Abraham. And uh, God used Joseph to save them from a famine, but it was then, uh, once Pharaoh died, a new Pharaoh came in and he didn't like uh, the Israelites. And so he put the Israelites to slavery. He used them to build Egypt through slave labour. And 430 years they were stuck in Egypt. That's a long time to be caught in slavery. And so God had a plan he raised up this guy named Moses. He got, he, Moses uh, was raised as an Egyptian through different circumstances. And uh, Moses discovered that the Israelites were his people. And so God actually gave him a heart for him. And he went to defend them and ended up killing one of the Egyptians on behalf of the Israelites and got banished. They found out and said, oh, you're going to... There was a fight going on uh, between the, the Israelites and Moses tried to step in and they, and they said, well, you're going to kill us like you killed the other guy. So Moses goes away for another 40 years, comes back, and then God uses Moses to lead the Israelites uh, out of Egypt and into freedom. They go through the desert, they, go, they cross the Red Sea, you can see the map up there. They actually went on a very long journey in through the desert. And on this journey, God uh, establishes himself or re-establishes himself as God of the Israelites. God performs many miracles, he, he, um, he shows what it is to live with his presence among them. And he really becomes the father of this nation. But they get to this point, and it's about, I think it's 
from the time that they leave Egypt to, to the edge of the wilderness, they have the promised land in front of them. It was 14 months. And here they are presented with their first opportunity to enter the promised land. They send out 10, 12 spies to go and check out the land to say, hey, is this a good land? Is this what God promised it would be? And they all bring a report back to the whole Israelite community. And it's there that it all goes wrong. And we're going to pick up in Numbers 14, verse 1 to 4. See, that all the, all the Israelites are gathered together. The ten spies give a report. And, the other t- and then there's two of them who give a different report. Two give a good report. Ten give a bad report. And when the Israelites hear the report of the ten guys, this is what they say. This is their response. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't have been better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It's this response that I think we can learn a lot from this morning. So I want to pull out three things this morning that we can look at that will help us to overcome whatever the challenge is that we're facing and enter our promised land. See, it's important to realise the Israelites had an opportunity to go into the promised land, but they rejected it. They rejected it because they thought it was too hard. See, my first point this morning is that we must be willing to... Sorry, we have to accept that you have to fight for God's promises. You know, God's... When the Israelites got there, I actually think that they thought that God was just going to give them the promised land on a silver platter. You know, I think sometimes, and I know this has been true in my life, that God, the things that God has said over me, that God's just going to give them to me. You know, I've had many prophecies growing up about being a preacher and a pastor and all these things. But I've discovered in order to be those, I have to work really hard for them. You know, preaching is actually very hard for me. Aston sees me struggle through it every time I have to do it because of this ADD thing. Ordering my thoughts is really hard. But for me, it's worth it. Because this is who God has called me to be. 
you know, I could avoid it and I could go around the mountain many, many times and be, be like, God, this is too hard. I want to go back and be a groundskeeper, which I was for a while. I could take the easy road, but this is not what God has chosen for me. Do you know, what I've discovered is that the things that God puts on our life are actually very valuable. The things he's called you to, he holds in high value. And anything worth value takes time and effort. I've also discovered that your weakness will become your greatest strength. Because when it's your weakness, you have to work really hard at it. You know, there's things that I've done in my life where, you know, I'm pretty naturally coordinated. I was good at sport growing up. I never really had to try hard at it. Like, I played basketball all, all my life growing up, like right up until, uh, you know, high school. And I went to state league and all those sorts of things. I didn't really actually have to try too hard. I just liked playing it every day. But there came a tipping point where people just actually started to excel past me. And because I was naturally gifted at it, I didn't understand what it took to be an elite athlete. I was lulled into this false sense of, oh, I'm just gifted. Oh, it'll just come naturally for me. And I didn't understand what it took to be good at it. And I saw this principle play out in my life many, many times where I would just choose the easy path all the time. I would choose what I was good at. See, I'm good at building things, I'm good at making things, I'm good at fixing things. And when things are getting hard, I just turn to them. Aston knows because I end up just avoiding what I'm meant to be doing and go and work on the house for a while. Because that's easy for me. I know how to do it. I feel comfortable there. And so we, we get caught in this pattern of not actually putting in the hard work and dealing with what, whatever it is that God has put on our heart to do. I recently, uh, my daughter Ruby, she bought a Rubik's Cube home. Now, I got sucked into this thing. <laughs> I picked it up and I thought, oh, I'll have a go. And uh, it didn't take too long to realise it's actually a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> and so I set out to, to you know, beat this thing because I was getting pretty frustrated with it. And so it took me quite a few days to, to get my head around it. And I'd look up YouTube clips and because we can do that these days. It's not cheating, it's efficiency. <laughs> and trust me, even a YouTube clip makes it hard. It's not that easy. Anyway, there's a whole process to it. You start with one layer, you do all these sequences and moves to get through the first layer. And once you've done that, you then go to the next layer and you work on that layer and you do a whole set of different moves and sequences. And then you finish that layer. 
And then you get to the final layer. You get all the corners in the right spot, and then it comes down to this final move. <laughs> this is where I stuffed it about five times. Oh, man, I went around that mountain. It was like midnight. And I was like, okay. I've done this so many times. I'm just going to have to give up and come back tomorrow. And you know what? The next day I came back and I stuffed it again. (laughs) And then I stuffed it again. But here's the thing. You have to fail a few times before you get good at something. This is the process of learning. If we can embrace failure on our journey to becoming who we are, you're on the journey to becoming who you are. If we could go to the next slide, please, Chris. My notes have actually disappeared off my screen. I don't know what's happened to them. The second thing I want to talk about is don't look back when it gets too tough. You know, when things get tough, like I said before, we turn to what we know. We try, we try to find the comfort. We try to find the things that we're good at and avoid the things that we're not good at. And you know, the Israelites here, they show us in their response that they did the same thing. They wanted to go back. They didn't want to actually want to go and fight for what God had promised them. They wanted to go back to what they knew. But the problem with going back to what you know is that that's not living. See, they, they were comfortable in their captivity. You know, the grass seems greener on the other side when you're not there. I've discovered that whenever something gets hard, I start to think about where I'd rather be. I did this for years when I first moved to Shep. It was like hard and I had to build new friends and re-establish myself here in a new place. And when it was hard and when I was lonely, I'd be like... Just if I could live back on the Gold Coast. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what I knew. That's where all my friends were. That's what I grew up with. But here's the thing. What I've learned to do with that is to embrace it. All it does for me now is rather than going, okay, I wish I was there, that highlights to me that something is just tough. It means that I'm actually moving forward. It means that I'm going somewhere. If it's tough, it's not bad. It's meant to be tough. Because it's valuable. So my encouragement to you is, if you're finding life tough at the moment, God hasn't forgotten you. 
You are not outside God's will. God is just using your current circumstance to get you to where he needs you to be. See, God has so many great things that he wants to do in and through you. And the journey to that point is actually just to keep going forward. It's just to keep going forward. See, I'd encourage you, whenever you start uh, feeling like, I wish I was somewhere else, embrace it. Just use it as an indicator to say, hey, you know what? This is just because I'm going in the right direction. The third thing I want to pull out this morning is you need to be careful who you listen to. You know, when, when the spies came back with their report, there were only two that had a good report. There were only two that said, you know what, we can do this. It was the ten that had the negative report and said, you know what, the land's great, but it's too hard for us. It's too hard. You know, I, I listened to this guy named Kerwin Ray. He's not a Christian, but he, he's one of those motivational guys who, who builds businesses and helps people to overcome challenges. And, and I, what I like about him is he's someone who's got ADD as well also, and he's been very successful to build his own life. But he uses this analogy of, uh, it's called the herd dynamic. And if you understand how horses work, horses actually uh, have, a, like dogs, a pecking order. And what they do is, if a horse is steering off in the wrong direction, the other horses will actually barge up against it and steer it back where it needs to go. Because within that horse herd, there is a standard of how they do things. They have their own dynamics going on of who they are. And you know, it's the same for us. Who we hang out with determines where we go. That's why it's so important to surround ourselves with people who are going to get us to where we need to go. You know, when I think about this church and what God wants to do through this church, I just can't even, like, fathom it. Like, God, like, it, seriously, it is big. God doesn't want us to just come in and have a good time and pat each other on the back and say, oh, great job. You came to church today, great. That's not the goal. The goal is to be a lighthouse church. We're called to reach a community. We're called to take the name of Jesus out into this community and shine a bright light that transforms people's lives. But if we're going to get there, we all need to push each other in the right direction. You know, when people start uh, saying it's too hard and start complaining and whinging and saying, you know what? Oh, we're just relational. Have you heard that one? We just care, we care more about people. We just, we care more about the relationship. And I fell into that trap. 
of thinking, you know what, I can use the excuse of just making it about people and, and using that as a comfort zone. And you know what, it is about people. But don't use that as an excuse to do nothing. It's not about us coming in and just feeling good about ourselves. It's about us going out and being a light wherever we are and whatever we're doing. You know, the reason why we do things the way we do on a Sunday, we have welcome teams and host teams and we set the service up in a certain way, it's so that when someone comes in for the first time, they feel welcome. You see, when you're at work or in your families and with your friends, you're actually a light. You are shining a light. And those people are looking at your life and you might, they'll be looking at you and going, what's so good about that guy? Or what's so good about that girl? That's what people say to you. How come, how come you don't get angry when other people get angry? It's because we carry the presence of God wherever we go. And so we actually get opportunity because of that to bring people into this place. People want what we've got. And if we don't set up an environment where people feel welcome and love, they won't come back. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression, as Pastor Robbie says regularly. You know what? Setting up all these new systems and structures and and making it the way we want it to look is actually hard work. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to come a bit earlier now. And you might have to be on a bit more. But it's worth it. It's actually worth it. Because God wants to take us somewhere. He has a plan and a purpose for this church. Just as much as he has a plan and purpose for each and every one of your lives. So my encouragement for you this morning is. You need to embrace the fight. God doesn't just hand it on a silver platter. He wants you to fight for it. If I could get everyone to stand this morning, I'd love to pray over you. And I just encourage you, whatever your situation is right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, say, what is it? What is it that you want me to face? What is it that I'm avoiding that you want me to to take steps towards fixing in my life? And let's pray for that thing right now. So let's bow our heads. And if you, if you feel comfortable, raise your hands. And let's, uh, let's just surrender ourselves to God right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much, that you are a good Father, and that you want the best for every single person here. And Lord, whatever people are facing right now, those traps that we find ourselves in, Lord God, the way we go around the mountain time and time again, Lord God, Lord, I just declare breakthrough in those areas. Lord, I declare freedom and I declare your power to work in people's lives. So your word says it's not by might nor by power but by your spirit, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask right now 
that we would be so aware of your presence in our lives, Lord God. That in our moving forward, we would rely on you. That we wouldn't rely on our own strength, Lord God. But we would make you the centre of our world. And that we as a church, Lord God, would continue to move forward into the promises that you have for us. And Lord, I just pray that this church would be a lighthouse church. That it would continue to multiply and expand. That lives would be transformed. That resource would continue to come in so that more lives could be transformed, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that there would be an ownership in every single person's life here, Lord God. That this might be your house, but it is our home, Lord God. So I thank you for what you're doing right now in Jesus' mighty name. We declare freedom and breakthrough. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.